So, yeah. What are we going to talk about? Well, first of all, I need to finish eating. I um kind of forgot okay. that I hadn't eaten lunch. Yeah, I was just going to have a little something, too. I had some some soup while we were out, but I want to eat half my soup. And then By the way, this is all being recorded, so be nice. Yeah, I'll try. It's hard. <laughs> Well, here it is, uh, the last episode of Sonderless, the podcast. I have a lot of feelings about this. Uh, Part of me is looking forward to not having to worry about content every other week, but a big part of me is really sad. I have loved and hated this year. It has been incredible and really hard. I was going to surprise you by having my dear friend Jen Hatmaker, a lady who knows a thing or two about the way that I have had to do life as a female pastor, but she herself is on a tour and so we weren't able to connect. So I decided that eventually we're going to have to do a special update, Sonderless, where Jen and I debrief everything. As I thought about how I wanted to end this year, I realized I wanted to revisit each area and share with you what some of your favorite characters in my life think about how I've done on all of these. So here it is, each challenge and my mom, and John's thoughts on those. And to tie up the whole thing, a little dating check-in with Reverend Lisa Yeboah, your favorite, from the episode called Dating a Lady of the Cloth. So here it is, the last Sonderlust episode. And make sure you stick around till the end to find out what's next. So guess what's happening? What's happening? Two things. First thing, our last episode. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yes. Once upon a time, I was falling in love. Now I'm only falling apart. That one? Yeah. Yeah, that one. I know uh, our last episode is happening. I feel like a lot of the stuff that's been changing in me has been like unbeknownst to me. You know what I mean? Turn and face the strange changes. Turn and face the strange changes. Are those the lyrics? What's that from? Changes. David Bowie. Yeah, I think so. And as you pointed out to me, which before, by the way, I had no idea, I actually need change. There you go. So learning to like, okay, I'm going to be all right with change has been like moving has been like the greatest thing ever. I love where I live. This is good. You can hear right now in my neighborhood, there's a plane, which is weird uh, for editing, but there's like kids underneath and I like love where I live and it's three minutes from work and I can come home yeah it's awesome and you're not just surrounded by married people with kids I mean I am but they're cool but it's not all there's other there's people your age right yeah hipsters abound yeah and friends and like yeah it feels really really good and I don't know how long I'm gonna stay here who knows but like even like job offers people have been offering me jobs which is weird right and I've got to make a decision about whether they take them right Obviously, okay. I'm an ordained clergy member, so it's not totally all in my hands. Yeah. But I love my church, and I've been really honest about, like, how I feel about, like, hey, I don't know that I want to be a lead pastor next go-round. Yeah. What would you want to do? Well, I really like speaking and teaching and preaching. Yeah. Um, so that, in some ways, and yeah. uh, form, uh, I really come alive doing those things. I like meeting one-on-one with people. I like being there for people. Do I love leadership development, which is really what a lead pastor is supposed to be doing? Yeah. Nope. Hate it. Okay. 
So you hate the administrative part of stuff. Oh, Lord, I hate it. You like the pastoring part of stuff. Yes. There you go. So that part has been really clear and obvious. And I just got a speaking gig that is four times a year where I get to be the face of an organization that I really believe in. And I remember you saying at the start of all this, I really think you're supposed to be a spokesperson for something you believe in. There you go. So I am the new face of World Vision Canada. Canada? Mm-hmm. I'm Ron Burgundy. My home and native land. Wait, what's World Vision do? World Vision works with children and women and That's the one areas. where you adopt you adopt the kids. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. It's like Sarah McLaughlin videos, but with people. <laughs> yes, John. But it's kind of true. Yeah. Got right? It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not bad. Nope. It's true. I, I, I think what they do is necessary and awesome. Yep. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not mocking that at all. I, but it just kind of sometimes the commercials I've seen for that remind me of the Sarah McLaughlin dog videos. I know, which are terrible and, like, break my heart. Yeah, do you think World Vision would contact or reach out to Sarah McLaughlin? Stop. Can you make this? She's Canadian, too, isn't she? She is. See? Match made in heaven. That's what I do. Anyway, I'm doing that, so I feel like I hit that, (laughs) right? That's pretty good. Yep. Well done. Good job. Uh, I live where, I totally love where I live right now. Okay. I have a lot of friends outside of ministry. Okay. So I did pretty good on all the challenges. Like, are you comfortable with us ending without you telling me where to live? Uh, I don't know yet. Okay. When are you going to know? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to work on that. Okay. You'll know You'll know if I send a pod to your house. You did agree that I could move you wherever I wanted. I did. How do you feel about Newfoundland? That's my where I was born. I know. We'll go full circle. East from the east. You always have to go back to go forward. Exactly. Feeling good about Newfoundland. I've decided. Okay. Really? It's so far away from here, though. Don't you think I'll be sad having to restart my whole life? No. I think you'll see it as a new challenge, and that change is a good thing. Okay. (laughs) You're kind of the worst. That's what makes me the best. Is it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, out of everything that we've done over the last year... Would you say that I'm in a better place now than I was when I was 37? Mm. Yes. Well, you've you've made some of the changes. Yeah. You've found things and you've said, I don't like this and I'm going to change it. So definitely you're in a better spot. Yeah. We're never 100% in the spot we need to be, but that's just part of everything. I'm not where I should be, but that's part of growing. If If you're ever 100% there, and you've something's gone horribly wrong. Right. So yeah. life's a journey, not a destination. Exactly. So don't stop believing. <laughs> what if we just talked in music lyrics? We used to only talk in movie quotes, which is by the way why you would also like this guy I'm going out with tonight because he can quote Zoolander. There he goes. <laughs> maybe you should date him. Maybe I will. I mean maybe. You like a big you guy. You never know. I do. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, I'm going to just filter myself right now. Filtering myself. There's someone that you're attracted to that's really big. Go. No. No. Uh-uh. No. Okay. There was, there was other inappropriate things I was going to say. Mm. Well, I feel like there is a potential for 
Sunderless the podcast to keep going, but I think it needs some time off. Okay. For me to like refocus. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I have missed, you've been like out of my life for like an entire month and I, it's been awful. I hate not having you around. I've been out of my own life for a month. I know. Very existential that way. I think your head injury played a big role in that one. Yeah. That's all right. Well, I've discovered that the medication that I'm on, the the new stuff to help me with having ADHD. Yeah. That right at about three o'clock, I get really anxious, like really anxious. Really anxious? Yep. It's I think because it wears off, and all of a sudden, all the like the split focus comes back. Uh huh. And now I can tell, whereas before I was just used to that always being me. Interesting. Right. And so I've become very like anxious about like all the things all at once and my um administrative assistant was like sarah it's every day at three o'clock because i'll call her and be like so like for instance i need a i'm getting a new tattoo mm-hmm. my tattoo by the way has to do with this podcast okay that's very flattering that you get a picture of my face on your body it's gonna look real <laughs> good real good how do we feel about a girl having a tattoo on her arm where on your arm I'm thinking about getting it on my forearm. Like, here, I'll send you a picture. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. To begin, begin? To begin again. To begin, uh, no, begin. That says, yeah. The tattoo is like that. arrow. You like that placement? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Super feminine. I say do it. So it's going to be an arrow. I mean, I'm not shaming anyone, but that's a hairy woman's arm. That's not a woman's arm. Well, could have been. It's a guy's arm. So are you doing it just like that? No. I have another option for a placement, okay? Okay. I'm going to send that to you and tell me which one you like better. All right. I'm right here waiting. So that's the placement. And then mine will look a little more like this. I'm getting an arrow and the coordinates of Costa Mesa. Oh. Okay. Okay. I like this. I like the one on the bottom. Which placement do you like better? Um... I mean, one's going to be a lot bigger than the other, clearly. I say go big and bold. Okay. Why are you getting an arrow? Because arrows have to go backwards to go forwards. Boom. Newfoundland in the (laughs) house. An arrow, the amount at which it goes backwards is the distance at which it can fly forwards. Boom. There it is. And then the coordinates of Costa Mesa, because in my life, the best and worst things have happened in this city. There you go. So I had to come back to this place. Whatever that means. We may never know. We may never know. So you think do it? I say do it. You don't think I'll regret it? No. It's going to hurt. But I guess my ribs hurt. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're the worst. I am the worst. I'm terrible. So what are you doing tonight? It's a Thursday night and you're in Texas. Well, I'm sitting in these people's driveway. I'm going to drop the stuff I have in my truck, my car off for them. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to go to my hotel and do some work. And I'm going to find some dinner and get go to bed kind of early and get ready to crush it, teach a class tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. My intern comes back tomorrow. The one you had earlier? Yeah, she's coming to stay with me for the weekend because she's helping out with oh. an event. Oh, doesn't she live in, like, North Carolina now? Mm-hmm, but her school kind of got blown away by ah. the hurricane. 
This is the story of the hurricane. Everything always gets back to movie quotes or song quotes for you, I mean. Bob Dylan, can't go wrong. I think I'm going to be okay. I think you will. Yeah. You do you, boo. I feel like I've turned some weird corner where I feel okay. That's good. That was the whole point of it. Because you felt not okay in everything. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I get stressed out all the time. And, like, right now, I've, I was freaked out about getting attached, like, literally, like, panicking about, is this the worst idea I've ever had? Clearly not. The worst thing that can happen is I have to get it removed. Yeah. That's, while painful, it's still doable. It's still doable. And why would you have to get it removed? If I just hated it, or I get old and it's weird looking. I'd just do a bigger, badder tattoo over the top of it. I mean, I think some days, like, I look at girls in my run club who have, like, sleeves, and I go, yes. So, so long as they're cool stuff. Their stuff I mean, is, like, get, really pretty. It's like, you can get some real douchey sleeves out there. I know. I mean, you can get a lot of real douchey tattoos, real, just in general. You can do a lot of really stupid things. But I, th- I think you'll be fine. All right. Well, have fun, and you better get in those people's houses because they're going to, like, report you to the police if you're just in their driveway. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. You know how much I love handcuffs. Okay. You're the worst and the best. I am. I am. Hey, I love you. Love you, too. I'll talk to you soon. Hey. Hey. You're going to be okay, kid. Thanks. <laughs> 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 Bye, John. Bye. <laughs> So, um, I thought it'd be fun to talk to you. I'm talking to my friend Lisa Yaboa in a little bit too, just about uh-huh. like how everything has gone. Cause I feel like my entire life has changed uh-huh. and I don't know if that's cause I just super love living in Costa Mesa. I think it's, You've found your community, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because it's not like I have tons of friends here or anything. But there are things that you... Well, and you do have friends. Yeah, but it's not like... Um, but yeah. but I, and I know like a lot of them have actually... You had friends, but a lot have changed their lives and moved out. But you still have friends there. And you've got things that that you like to do. And you have a community around you. At least it seems that way to me. Yeah. You know, where you can walk tenor and say hello to people and feel connected. Where you didn't have that. You were kind of, yes, you were in a, a housing development, but it was kind of like everybody was just separate. It wasn't mm-hmm. a community. It was, yep. it was sort of a strange. And then when that lady said, oh, I don't know who you are. I haven't, you know, you've, I've lived here two years. And I don't know who you are. I, and I'm thinking, yes, you've lived here two years too. You know, it's just, that was kind of illustrative. Or illustrative, whichever the word is, illustrative. Um, yeah, it was of, super you know, weird. That, yeah, yeah, but it kind of just told me uh, anyway. I think loving. I love where I live. I think uh, uh-huh. that's super helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think uh, my job is getting some clarity. Mm-hmm. I had a great meeting with my district superintendent. Ah, where we kind of talked about um, the fact that he feels like. I need to be fully myself in this job and that he doesn't think I'll be here forever, but he really thinks that he's like, it's not a forever thing and that's great. And so we need to start thinking about like what's next. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it was more just like feeling supported by him and me saying like, Hey, here are the things I really haven't done well at and feeling a lot of shame and guilt for that. And 
he was great. He was so great about it. So there you go. Good. So I think I'm, I love, I love where I'm at with my job right now. Mm-hmm. Good. So I love where I live, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like last night I went up to see friends in Long Beach and mm-hmm. it's not that far. And then, mm-hmm. you know, getting to walk around my neighborhood and see other people with that are around my age and mm-hmm. getting to be 13 minutes Maybe sometimes it's only ten minutes to Tenor's Beach, you know, where he just yeah. loves to be. And so I saw the pictures on Instagram from yesterday's walk. He looked happy. Oh, he's so happy there. He's so happy there. And you know, it rained all day yesterday. So for him in the morning to get out early and get a run in and play with, you know, and for me, like play with other dogs. And for me, like being by the beach just kind of grounds and centers me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's been really good. I feel like having friends outside of my work has been, um, I think I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having friends in general is just difficult because of my, A, where I'm at in life. Like I went to my friend um, Michelle's house the other night and mm-hmm. literally I'm the only single person, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all talking about their kids. And mm-hmm. and then I almost become like a circus thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh my gosh, you're not married? Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So mm-hmm. are you like dating? And what's that like? And mm-hmm. uh, I don't like that at all. No. And that's not, and they're not being mean or rude or whatever. I think if I was probably where they're at and had been for a while, I would ask those kind of questions. But it makes me feel like a weird circus item. And I don't, you know, it's funny. I'm kind of, <laughs> despite what the podcast would make you think, I'm kind of a private person when it comes to that stuff. Like, none of your business. <laughs> Well, it's it's hard because when you talk about your work, it's fine if you're sharing. Yes, I mean, that's not to say that what they're doing is, yes, their work is important, but for you, it's all-encompassing because that's how you're supporting yourself entirely. It's a different thing, you know? You're not doing it with somebody and sharing and having twice the income in because there's, two, you know, like it's, this is different. And yet the time spent on it is is not – people think that as a pastor, you just work on a Sunday or one day a week. It's not. <laughs> I know. It's so funny because, like, my friends will be working on their, like, presentation for work. Mm-hmm. And they're freaking out, like, man, I have a presentation this week. I'm like, I have a presentation every week. Every week. Yeah, that's right. And people are judging whether or not they will ever come back again based uh-huh. on that presentation. Uh-huh. Yeah. And everybody feels like usually I find like in company settings, whenever someone gives like a presentation, usually people are for you. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, oh, yeah, you did a great job. They know how uncomfortable it is. They know how awkward it is. But like when I give a sermon, everybody feels like that's a really great time to like figure out if they liked it or not. Yeah. They can be critical. They can add to it. They can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's just a – it's a very – different art form for sure. Mm -hmm. It's been such an amazing year of holding it loosely and saying to people, yeah, I'm not sure where where I'm going to end up or what I'm going to do with my work. And, uh, you know, I am currently working on another book, which I can't believe I'm doing that. What is wrong with me? Um, But it'll be done soon, (laughs) hopefully. And I I think it's going to be good. It's just that's the other thing too about my space is like I have this big, beautiful patio and I work here at night and I don't know. It just feels easier to work here. You know, I made the decision to not have a 
dining room in my dining room area. Instead, I have a desk. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I really like it. Like I like, mm-hmm. I like the fact that when I'm writing, I'm looking over this like little beach town. Mm-hmm. I guess city. It's not really a city or a town. And if you if you is. want to have people over, I mean, when you had the people over for your sort of housewarming, the patio is really adequate and nice for that, isn't it? Oh, you know, you've totally, got yeah. that you've people got that it. lovely um, IKEA table, and I think it's really. I like it very much. I love the color of it. And I should be sponsored by IKEA. My whole entire house is IKEA. <laughs> yeah, it's very IKEA. Well, you know, that's the Danes live in smaller places. I mean, not everybody in Denmark has a huge place. And so it, it, you kind of, you know, you're you're living in a kind of Danish space. If you know. <laughs> so IKEA fits It's funny, really this place well. feels so much bigger, though, than my last place. Yes. I, I'm surprised from the very first time we went in and from what you told me about it. And then when you put all the furniture in and that, it's really kind of neat. I'm sorry, you're going, it's little pussycat has found a toy. That's what you're hearing. Mm. Here. Yeah. So I feel like we have nailed the love where you live. We have at least figured out some of the job stuff mm-hmm. a little bit. Having friends outside of work, that's been, I think that's going okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like at least in a lot of ways, you know, even my friends that I hung out with last night, they um, no longer go to my church. So that has kind of become just a regular friendship now. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about church or anything that's happening with church. So that's good. These are all the thoughts that I'm having. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but at least I'm having thoughts and at least I'm dating. I'm out there. Well, it was, uh, I'm really glad that this was part of our lives for a little bit. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's been an interesting and I think a very positive experience. Yeah. You know, I said to Bethany, the health coach, who's now a friend, we were running the other day and I said, and I meant it, I was like, I'm the happiest I've been in years, like years. Well, that's good. Even when I was in like, you know, I was in a really happy, fun relationship last year, right? Like Mm -hmm. when it was happening, it was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and I was happy, but the other parts of my life seemed kind of spun out. And now, even though I'm not in a relationship per se, well, I'm not in a relationship, I feel like I am more grounded and more, yeah, I just feel like happy. You know, when I come home and I take Tedder for a walk and get to watch the sunset and, you know, I feel like I have a team of really cool people that I work with and yeah. we've kind of some of the stresses of that, we've like worked really tough stuff out and gotten to a place where we kind of know where we're at. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like good things are happening. Excellent. And on that note, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for being part of this. Oh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be part of it. (laughs) Well, I love you. Love you. I know we'll we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Do you ever binge watch television shows? I don't ever watch TV because I don't oh, have time. Yeah. But I have a book deadline, which means um, I am doing all the things to procrastinate. And uh, <laughs> there are a couple of shows I watch. I've watched this uh, show called Shit's Creek. It's amazing. I love it. Uh, and then there's this People show. People it's fabulous. It's so good. It's a Canadian show, so, you know, it, like, speaks to my heart. But um, <laughs> there's also – and it it's also about, like, awkward dynamics and trying to figure out how to be a human in our current life time, right? Like where 
we're not completely digital, but we are digital. It's like this really weird transitional time. I mean, the church is feeling it. Every, you know, education's feeling it. You know, everyone's feeling it, right? And it's it's coming all the way yeah. down to like our interpersonal relationships. And um, the other show that I started watching, and I can't, something about me is that I, I'm such a two on the Enneagram, which is like the the feeler, the you know all that kind of stuff. That I, if something gets yep. really awkward, I have to turn it off because I'm like, oh, I'm so worried for them. Now I, I know, can it, feel it. Yes, I know <laughs> it's a TV show. I know it is, but I'm like, but what if it's not? Um, but Atypical is a TV show about a yes, a kid who has Asperger's um, and is a high functioning autistic child, and he's incredible, but he's trying to figure out how to be in human relationships. So he has like his first girlfriend, he has his first crush. And one of the things he's trying to figure out is like, what is love even? And I was, oh. I, you know, I'm working on a sermon series where we're talking about like, what does it mean when we say God loves us? And, hmm. you know, if we're not going to use that, like sinners in the hands of an angry God, so God saves us, but that doesn't make sense because then God's saving us from us. Like there's all that weird atonement stuff. So if we take that out and we just say like our very essence is loved by God, what does that mean? So then I was thinking like if a kid asked me to like define what love is, because he asked his parents who, um, it's just an incredible show, but he asked his parents, how did you know that you loved the other one? Because his girlfriend has told him that she loves him and he wants to reciprocate, but as being someone who is very rule follower, he wants to make sure he actually feels that way. So he says, how do I know if somebody loves mm. me? And how do I know if I love them? And they say, well, it's the first person you think of when you wake up. They make you a better person and the first person you want to tell the biggest news to. And I thought about it and I was like, that's not mm. enough, right? Like, no. yeah. that's not, like, like, I'm over here, I'm over here like, mm. Mm. I'm not totally giving a side eye, but I'm also giving the pastoral. Mm. Mm. I'm getting like, tell me more. Know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that's like, the love we're sold on TV though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think people are captivated by folks like us who have done, because of our career, because of our connectedness, we have done a lot more thinking, I think, than oh. a lot of folks on on these like issues of connectivity and what does it mean you know, to be a human and like these things that when you're like working a nine to five job, you don't always get to the luxury of digging in. I remember Stanley Howard sure. was saying to our class one time, like, never forget the gift you have of your vocation mm. being to ponder these things. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes we get so in yeah. our heads and we get so stuck and we forget. Um, like other people have to do that on their off time. We get to do that. Now we have to now articulate it to other people. And sometimes it's hard when we're not ready to share, but yeah, I thought that was really a helpful. So I'm wondering, like, what does it even mean to love someone and be loved by someone? And I think that was hmm. that was the work. I think that's what we hit. That chord we struck in people was like, oh, how do I see people? Because yeah. I can't love someone if I can't fully see them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's good. Like, I, I don't know that I... Um... I had gone that far in regard to my reflection, but <laughs> thank you, Sarah. You know me. <laughs> yeah, you know. You were reflecting. You were reflecting. It, this has been the year of that. You know, I think I pressed pause on my life in so many ways and, like, allowed myself to reflect and said, I don't want 38 to be what 37 was. And so I have to take yep. some intentional actions, which means I have to think about these things. Like, I have to be intentional about yep. 
the way that I do things. And it hasn't been fun sometimes or easy, but it's been good. And I feel like I'm way happier than I've ever been in my entire life. But it has taken that like gross soul work of why does it feel why do people laugh so hard about you saying just take me to dumplings when anyone else could say that and they'd be like oh yeah like <laughs> it should be easy right yeah yeah well you know um well two things one I think that you know you talk about this this year that you've taken in the journey um I feel like it can be summed up by your desire to um to do the very best you can to like discover the real Sarah mm-hmm. and the, the work of, of becoming self-aware is no small thing. And it's not a thing that we should ever take for granted um, because so many of us really do live most of our lives, not aware, not really aware of our blind spots, not really aware of our shadow side, not really aware of our brilliance, not really aware of the things that make us fully who we are. And um, so I would also say that I think, when it comes to being in relationship or cultivating relationship with other people, that it is very difficult to really like wed yourself to another human being and friendship as a sibling, as a friend and a, a romantic relationship. If you just don't have a great relationship with yourself, like right. if you're only in love with your shadow side or you're only in love with your brilliant side, but you haven't also gotten to know your shadow side or um, your shadow side has never learned what it is to um, kind of bump into the, to the brilliant side. And I think, you know, doing that, that really deep, um, self-discovery just makes you a better person. And I'm so convinced that the healthiest self becomes the healthiest self for community. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's like our, it's our job. It's like our job, um, our job to, um, to do that. And then I was going to say something else, but I totally can't remember what number two but number two is, but it'll come back to me at some point in time. But it's, yeah, I, I just hearing you talk through, yeah, like kind of getting to this place is just a beautiful thing. You know, it's like, I think there is something to be said about aging, right? Like we start to Ooh. think about these things. I remember your 40th, right? 40th. You start thinking yeah. about these things. For, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Well, you're in the second half of life. Yeah. What is that going to look like? And what is my theology in this season? What is my, um, you know, who, who am I in this? And, uh, I think that's the, the beauty of having not been in a relationship before now is like, I have a lot of friends who are in, I mean, I've been in relationships before, but the relationship, you know, the one, when we used to define marriage, we like, I think we made room for people to change and I don't think we do that anymore. And so I think movies and things like that have really defined, you know, a lot of expectations for people. So they think, you know, I'm supposed to marry this person who is going to, you know, you complete me, that famous line. But um, people change so much. I, I think about like my, yes. so many of my friends have gone through sort of the deconstruction of their faith. And most of them got married when they were like 24. And so if their partner isn't with them in that process, it, I've seen some real heartache. Um, yep. And so I'm glad that I didn't drag someone through all of this, I think, Um, (laughs) because I think I won't be my, my natural state, I think is sometimes to adjust myself to the other person. But I think eventually that runs up, right? That shadow self eventually exposes itself. And and, and oftentimes it's it's in uh, um, resentment, like 
even if the person wasn't yep. super hopeful that you would turn out this way. I think there can be a resentment of like, you, I had to do this because I was living for you, you know? And yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want that. Oh. So. It's a self-martyrdom in relationships. It's very ugly. Very, very, very ugly. Oh, bad, 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 bad. And I'm tempted. <laughs> I'm tempted to do it. And so that's the sort of pullback mm-hmm. for me. So. Yeah. How has your, have you had a personal life has you don't have to give details obviously um oh, sure. <laughs> please you want to start telling names yeah start days, calling it out social security social numbers, security numbers <laughs> bank accounts <laughs> right height you- weight <laughs> yeah. anyway um so yeah this past year this past year has been probably one of the most exciting years for me and probably one of the most um okay it has been one of the busiest seasons in life. You know, I'm helping to launch a, uh, a new faith community and it's like, uh, an entrepreneurial venture. Yep. And I am doing a lot of work that I just don't, um, I don't have instinctive muscles for, which means that I have to like try real hard to make things, uh, make things happen and make things work. But it's also the most exciting work that um, I've done in, um, in all of my ministry. But it, uh, it has limited in many ways, like my emotional margin mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Sarah knows me well, but like, I tend to be like the energizer bunny. And this has also been a year where I have not had as much like physical margin. Like I literally fall asleep and it takes someone shaking me to wake up. That mm. has never happened in my life. But this year of ministry, uh, I'm just kind of tapped out by the, by the end of the day. However, I will say that I got myself into this mode of thinking that I started asking myself, when was the season of my life when I felt the, maybe the most confident and I liked the way in which I engaged men and mm. okay, this is going <laughs> to, I'm ready. This I'm is ready. Gonna, <laughs> this is going to shock some folks, but personally middle school and high school, I was wide open. I mean, um, I did not check myself. I didn't think twice about, oh, should I call? Should I not call? Should I call? Should I not call? Should I call and leave mm-hmm. five messages on the voice, uh, excuse me, on the answering machine? <laughs> this is before there was voicemail. Uh, should I write two letters between second period and fourth period? Um, I just did not check myself. It's like whatever I felt like doing to show someone that I liked them, I just did it. And, um, I have been trying to adopt that a little bit in my own personal life because I do think that like sometimes disappointment in relationships or uh, when, you know, you wake up and you're 38, 39, 40, 41, and you're not where you thought you were going to be in regard to like, oh, I thought I'd be married by now, or I thought I'd be in something, uh, a committed relationship. It can start to make you almost gun shy as you move and operate in the world. And And also you start to like, you are given so many mixed messages of like, oh, he's just not into you or uh, Uh this is what pursuit looks like or these are the rules or you really want to like first text, then call, don't call, then text. And um, even as a pastor who would tell someone, listen, uh, you're dealing with human beings. You're not dealing with a chessboard. I even fall prey to getting very gun shy, like, should I just pick up the phone and call? So anyway, I have been doing, I have been trying to live on my middle school and high school self. Uh, and that is, if I really feel like I want to call someone, instead of going through 925 questions of what, is this right or wrong, call the person. Um, if I want to text someone, text the person. If I want to put a letter in the mail, put a letter in the mail. I can't say, I mean, nothing has materialized. <laughs> Ain't no dumpling eating. 
But, well, no, excuse me. I've taken myself out for lots of dumplings. No one else has taken me out for dumplings. But every time I have a dumpling, I just want you to know that Lisa Rainbow's <laughs> face is the, in my mind. The dumpling of Lisa broken for you. Um, yeah, so it hasn't materialized in. I can't say, oh my gosh, friends, guess what? I'm now dating anyone. But I will say that um, I, I am not checking myself. I love um, it. I am not, yeah, trying to live by all these rules that I think sometimes um, they actually dehumanize us as well. You know, yes. um, I, I, I don't want to play myself or play others as though there's a set of rules. I think there's common courtesy. Uh, it is not the greatest thing to leave five voicemail messages on someone's, um, you yeah. know, iPhone. Nope. Uh, however, uh, I also don't want to feel like, oh my gosh, have I messed it up because I decided to call somebody this afternoon. Well, and I think that's too. I feel like we're in this like massive game of double dutch where all the rules have changed and everybody's just kind of like, you know, when you're playing double dutch and everybody's just kind of rocking, figuring out when they're supposed to jump in. Yes. Yeah. I feel like as humans, we're playing this massive game of double dutch and everyone's like, is it my turn? No, nope, yes. I, I need to, oh, ooh, nope. I, you know, and yep. I feel like that uh, is, yeah. that has become all of us. Like I, you know, like I said, I'm working with this dating coach and how is it by the way? Yeah. You know, it, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> because she says some things to me that I'm like, I don't agree with that. But I also know like, Hey, I, I, how I was doing it wasn't working, right? Yeah. And I just want to be fully and authentic myself. And she's helping me see some of my shadow self that I had no idea about. Um, mm. So that's been helpful, I think. I think being radically honest with people, you know, like I, um, I've actually been seeing a couple people, um, really just kind oh. of one. I know, I know. It's totally different. Um, I was dating a guy. When I came out to see, I was actually seeing someone, and that went awry, and that was really, really hard and really okay. painful. Okay, okay. <laughs> really, really painful. Oh, sorry. I know, oh, I know. Lord. He, um, I wasn't, like, good enough Christian for him. No, I'm just kidding, but kind of true. Um, yes. I know, you know, evangelical – yeah, I think there was all kinds of reasons. That's really not the reason. Yep. But and yep. he's an incredible man, and I'm so grateful to have known him and know him and all that kind of stuff. But I've been dating – one <laughs> of the people I'm dating is not a Christian, and I'm playing around with can I, can I handle that? And hmm. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, no, I can't actually, probably. Yeah. Because the, yeah. the fullness of me, the, the image bearer of Christ – if I can't, like, yeah, no, I'm not the conservative right-wing Christian, but I still have the Imago Day that I want to, like, express yep. to someone. And if I can't do that, I can't – it just feels like there's a piece of me being held back. So it's the exact same thing, right? Yep. It's like showing up as middle school Sarah, which actually middle school Sarah was pretty awkward. Um, I think probably, like <laughs> – you know, when I was in high school, I had a high school boyfriend from the time I was in a sophomore um, which is so funny. He emailed me today just to check in and tell me he was thinking about me. Hey. I know. Married, has three kids, so not that kind of chicken. Um, but that's good. That's, we Merry Christmas. Right. It was the sweetest. But yep. what <laughs> what I realized is like he gave me a, a strange sort of boldness because no one ever wondered if I was trying to date any of their dudes and nobody wondered what I was – like I I was just always his girlfriend, so nobody was worried about what is she trying to get out of anything. And I think – the truth of the matter mm. is if if we just are honest with ourselves and honest with other people, which I think is what this entire year has been about, it's just like getting radically honest with myself so that I can be radically honest with others. And 
I mean, I have yeah. had the toughest conversations. Part of it is this entrepreneurial self that we're having to like lean into stuff. Like I had to tell someone the other day, look, I have been lying, not lying, but I have been like not showing the fullness of my ability. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't know how to do that. And I'm sitting here trying to act like I know how to build a budget for a church. I have no idea. No one ever taught me that. Plus, I don't have the aptitude. I don't have the aptitude for it. Even if I have spent hours and hours in classes learning about it, I still don't have the aptitude for it because that's not me. Now, ask me to love a group group of people and ask me to be able to, like, deliver a message that's inspiring and can connect people. I can do that in my sleep. And I if I spend too much time worrying about this budget, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I have a lot of shame about it because I have this, like, I come from a community and culture where um, the CEO is more valued than the creative. And I think I've always tried to, because I was quote unquote smart, like force myself into a position that I'm not. And so it's really been able to like have some like bold conversations with leaders and say, I don't know that I'm a lead pastor. And that's okay. Mm. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, And just sort of realize a little bit more about myself and not have so much shame kind of – I had a lot of shame just around it. So, yeah, I think – And I I think – Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that I think it's also too like changing the narrative. Like I said, here you talk about, uh, you know, you could sit down all day long and building a budget just isn't going to be the thing. And yet that's not the only, it's a thing, but it's not the thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if that's ever the measure for what it means to be a lead pastor, we're going to all be in a lot of trouble. Um, right. because people who work for, uh, uh, you know, Charles Schwab, I would hope that they could build out a budget, but I, but we don't, they're not the only widget, you know, to make the machine work. And, you know, you talk about shame. Um, I, I think, when we get to that place of having, of knowing we have the power and also the agency mm. to tell our stories rightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes our voices tell really bad stories. Uh, they, well, excuse me, they tell myths. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then we have to find this, this, other, this other voice that's birthed out of the Imago Day. that's like, uh, I'm going to need you just to be quiet voice that's not very honest. And let me tell you the truth. And the truth is, these are all the other ways that I show up. And these are all the ways that the world needs me and that I need the world. Uh, and these are all the ways that I'm powerful and majestic and glorious and also um, made in the image of God. And, and I and I show that and I reflect that. And I'm just going to need you to simmer down, you know, turn down right. the volume on those, on those other voices. Um, yeah, then we're able to really show up. And the three horrible, hard conversations I've had to have as I've lived into this reality of, like, telling people, hey, like— this is who I really am, and I've been carrying that around for a while or whatever it might be. It has been so interesting how, like, affirming those conversations have been and even, like, allowed them to say, I need you to hear that I'm also this. You know, I was butting heads with a staff member for a while who is amazing, and I love working with him, and and yet I didn't love working with him for a little while because he was so frustrated by my leadership style because he was trying (laughs) to – he was trying to work in an area where he wanted me to be, you know, he, he's worked in large non-denoms. He's moved the, he is just, he just knows, you know, what does he say? Taking, 
what I say, it's such a good thing, like taking, um, taking ground, that's it, taking ground in so yep. many different ways and whatever. And I, I, that's just not me. You know, that's not, Yep. I'm going to be the one who is going to, I will gather people, I will heal people. And then I will, but I'm not a leadership developer. I'm not a, yep. you know, all these yep. things. Right. And he finally, like, I had this tough conversation with him where I was just like, Hey, this isn't who I am, and I know that I disappoint you on a regular basis. But I also know that I'm the lead pastor. Me disappointing you is not, you know, is not like it. It, it matters, but I also like for right now, I'm the person they have in here. So how are we going to work around this? And he yep. was so yep. great about it. He was so great. And then he came to me yep. the other and the other day and said, "Look, I 100% believe in what you're doing, and and why don't I step back from some of those places where this is really bothering me." And it was this beautiful yeah. moment of like, it really felt like the Holy Spirit. And he is like being so humble and great about it because I was able to say, here's my ugly and I'm sorry that that's, a, you know, but I can't change that. Yep. That's just who I am. Yep. Yep. And the more and more I'm going to try to be less and less like me, the more and more it's going to harm both of us. And I think that's true in working relationships, yep. dating relationships, church and pastor yep. relationships, like. We just have to get radically and brutally honest um, because yep. of the, the knowledge of that we are divinely loved with who just we are, just who we are. Yep. It's just, yep. well, it's just the way it is. Well, it's, it, it, you know, you talked about uh, we have to be completely honest with who we are. And uh, th- there was a guy that, oh, I mean, I, you know, I, I thought he was the best thing since sliced bread and um, very, we have like very similar like um, loves in life and and I thought, oh, this is going to really, this might really take off. And I think uh, being a pastor really tripped him up. He just, he just felt like, um, oh, what would he say? Like, oh, you're just, I'm going to, I'm going to mess you up or I'm going to, I'm too bad for, I can't remember what the, mm-hmm. what the terminology he, he would use, but, but basically like you're a pastor and uh, like, you know, I just feel like your life is, is you know I don't want to I don't want to sell it up I I can't think of a better a better way to to mm-hmm. phrase it but and I think my my twenty eight year old self would have tried to prove to him oh no but see see how flawed I am see how I'm like everybody else see how I'm like uh, or whatever and actually um, not been uh, true to who I am whether I was a pastor or not and I finally realized like you know I can't own that. Like that is not my problem uh, because I actually like you and I don't want to ask you to create any caveats mm-hmm. for who you are. I just like you uh, and you are assuming a whole lot of things about what my life must be like because I'm a pastor that you think you're going to ruin or wreck something. And, um, and I'm not going to try to prove to you uh, that you're, that you're either right or that you're wrong. I, I like you fully. Uh, because of who you are and what you presented to me. Uh, also, too, we don't know each other well enough for me to realize, like, you know, three weeks down the road, I might potentially be like, you ain't, you ain't all that. But, but you, mm-hmm. you know, at least you have to give each other the opportunity to get to know one another. And um, I, I think sometimes the most courageous thing we could ever do is uh, to own our truth, to be loyal to ourselves, and to not minimize, um, you know, who we are. And you know, for women or men or uh, who are in uh, pastoral ministry, who I think are looking to cultivate relationships in lots of different ways, whether it be friendships or uh, or, or or otherwise, that um, 
it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a fight, like having to really go down to a gritty place to say, I, I'm going to show up for myself and I am not going to um become a chameleon to suit to see you. Like people have to own they have to own their own stuff. I cannot I cannot take that on. And and I actually like who who I am. I like who you are. I would not I think that when you talk about the fullness Sarah, like the fullness of, of Sarah, that will be a gift to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, if a person knows how to hold that gift. Um, I feel like the fullness thereof of Lisa, it will be a gift. Like, uh, it's not like, oh, I'm a, I'm Lisa. And then there's this pastoral part of me. Actually, what makes Lisa, Lisa is also this pastoral uh, part of me. And I would never want to rob someone of that. And the same way that I wouldn't want to rob anybody else of um, what makes them feel like uh, defines the fullness of, of who they are. So I, I, you know, when you talk about like in this kind of leadership capacity, the idea that you didn't say, okay, now let me go off to these five workshops to see oh, if yeah. I can become this thing that this person nope. wants me to become. It's like, no, this is who, who I am. And, um, and we can still do this thing together. We can still do it together. And if not, then I've just done you a favor by not burning myself out or like making you crazy. Cause I'm trying to be something I'm not. That's right. That's and, right. That's right. And that's I think right. that's, you know, that's a great place for us to end in because I think I'm so grateful for you. And I hate that I call oh. you just to record you. We have to talk more. Um, oh, no. Well, that's, don't worry. Don't that's worry. our season. Once, once I'm telling you, I am, I am, if I am getting to the end of 2018 and uh, we'll get to take a big, deep breath in January. And then I'm taking hopefully a little bit of a uh, an eight week break in um, in the I summer that. so that I don't totally burn out in ministry. So we can chat it up. I would love it. June. <laughs> you are a yeah. gift to the world, and I will take you to Dumplings when you're on your break. Yes, friend. Yes, hashtag. <laughs> I love the mess out of you. Thank you for doing this. Love you, friend. Okay. Yes, thank you, Sarah. Talk to you soon. Uh-huh. Bye, hun. Bye. So as you know, for Sondra Lust, I promised myself that I would try new things, but I didn't just promise myself. I promised you too. And so along with dating, I decided that uh, I wanted to see myself a little bit different than I had before. I think I have somehow lost my groove or my confidence. And so um, I actually got photos taken of myself, um, promo photos, partly for work. But then also I let the photographer choose my clothing. You see, the photographer is also a stylist. She's incredible. Um, We're going to actually have her information so that if you too want to get some amazing photos taken, you can go check her out. Anyway, Van was an incredible, incredible photographer. But she challenged me to try uh, out different fashion. And every time I pushed back, she kept saying, you didn't ask me to take photos of you for you to just look like you always do. So she invited me to try these really different boots. I mean, we're talking like lace-up boots. And uh, they came almost all the way up to the knee and they were high-waisted or high-heeled. And I felt so out of my element. But after a while, after we took a couple of pictures, I started to have fun with it. And I thought, man, this is fun. I'm trying something new. I'm looking new. I'm looking different. And uh, I felt confident, honestly, like, okay, I can do this even though there were people like walking around her apartment complex, seeing us like take these photos. And so that partly made me a little bit shy. Anyway, I got those photos. I got them back and I posted some of them 
partly to uh, make sure that Van got the right credit and partly because I wanted to show what we had done together. And then it hit me. The giant shame monster. The thing that lives inside of me that says, who are you to? Who are you to take a photo of yourself and for people to see it? Who are you to enjoy taking photos? It's the same shame monster that stopped me from acting for a little while. Who are you to think that you're pretty enough to act? Anyway, that shame monster was pretty strong when a friend of mine uh, happened to say to me, you know, those boots in that photo, they're not really my favorite. We all kind of voted that they're not really you. And I realized, no, they're not really me. But that's kind of the point. It's fun to try out different things. Eventually, I let the shame monster get the best of me. And even though the photographer is an incredibly, like, very classy photographer, the photos weren't that scandalous, but there definitely was one she posted that she loved that had me in those boots. And so by the end of the day, I asked her to take down the photo. I didn't want anyone to see it. I also was a little overwhelmed because another one of my friends happened to say, you know, you and that dark lipstick is not my favorite. It doesn't look like you. And again, I felt that same shame monster. Was it too much? All of this, and I kind of lost my confidence a little bit. I called my dear friend, and I told him that I was having all of these issues and worried about, like, is it too much? He said, of course, of course, of course you feel this way. Sarah, somebody long ago told you that your body was dangerous. You look beautiful in those photos. You should be confident. A pastor can be beautiful. You didn't lose your sexuality by becoming a pastor. And in no way are you showing that off. Instead, you're just showing them that you can be beautiful and a pastor. I'm not sure I can let those words totally sink in. But it was helpful to remember that sometimes the voice we hear loudest isn't our own voice. It's in fact the voice of people around us. I shared many episodes ago about the time that someone told me that my body was dangerous. As I think about all this shame and guilt and weirdness I've been feeling over the day, because I really have the whole time. After I posted the photos, I wondered, is it too much? Am I showing? You know, and even though like hundreds of people told me they love the photo, I still wondered, am I too much? I think that's the question that started my whole Sonderless journey. Can I somehow be a pastor and be a woman and be a person and not be too much. I think I'm starting to figure that out, a little bit anyway. You know, as I think about that shame monster and I think about all the questions that have been answered for me during this year of getting rid of Sonderless. I realize that it all goes back to this idea that Lisa and I were talking about. The idea of the Imago Dei and seeing myself as the full image of God. It's not always easy. This has been the hardest, most lovely year of my life. The other day I was chatting with a friend and I said something I don't think I've said. I said to her, I'm the happiest I've been in years. And it's not because I'm in a perfect relationship or because life has suddenly turned around, but I'm really happy. And I think it's because I'm learning how to live in my own skin. 
This has been an incredible year, and I couldn't have done it without you. I want to thank everyone who's been listening, everyone who's reached out, everyone who's invited me to a cup of coffee because they want to make sure I have friends outside of my work. I want to thank everyone who supported us on Kickstarter. I want to thank Chad Michael Snavely, the most amazing editor. I want to thank Ali Fleming, who helped start this whole thing, and Corey Severi, who was there from the very beginning. I want to thank Daniel Roberts for the music that he created. I want to thank Alex Maldonado for making a website. Thank you. Thank you to my best friend who started the whole thing. I literally don't know who I, how I would do life without you, nor would I want to. Friends, whatever's holding you back, may Sonderless be a challenge. May Sonderless, the podcast, be the thing that kickstarts you into figuring out the four areas of your life you want to change. And then may you have the guts to do it. Because let me tell you, a year later, I might be a year older, but I'm a year happier. And no, I haven't gotten rid of all the things that were kind of the problems of before, but I'm learning how to live more authentically myself. So, good luck finding your own bliss and make sure to get rid of that Sonder list. Is it going to be the last? I don't know. I think so. Does it have to be? I mean, I said it was a 52-week challenge. Well, it's a 52-week challenge, but does that mean you just button up the doors and you're done? <laughs>